Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be gathered here in your name to learn of your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us, enlighten our hearts and minds, and help us to be more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. DIY. These three letters once referred to a fringe movement, but today they practically define our culture. Back in the 1970s, DIY books and magazine articles started being published at an ever-increasing rate to keep up with the growing demand. By the end of that decade, a DIY television show called This Old House premiered on PBS, where it continues to this day, more than 40 years later. Throughout the 1990s, ABC had a popular sitcom known as Home Improvement about a man who had his own DIY show. The 90s also brought us HGTV and its spinoff, the DIY Network, cable channels devoted to all things DIY, 24-7, 365 days a year. And once the 2000s came along, DIY expanded exponentially in the age of the internet, especially YouTube, to include topics from publishing your own books, to recording and releasing your own music, to creating your own clothes and accessories, to developing video games, to becoming a singer, dancer, actor, you name it. So many other activities that were once exclusively the realm of professionals. Oh, if I haven't said what DIY stands for, it's because you already know, right? I mean, we've all heard of the saying, if you want something done right, do it yourself. Well, by the way, how many of you subscribe to that edict? Right, you've been in that group. There's a group project, whether it's at school or work. There's five people. And you're like, it's going to have to come down to me and this other person really doing all the work. And it's really going to be you, right? I mean, that's how it is. Or there's a certain task or chore you don't trust your, your partner or your spouse to do going grocery shopping. Like, they always get the wrong brand. So forget it. I'll get that myself. And then driving. Am I right? <laughs> it's if you're in the back seat 
or if you're in the passenger side, you can drive better than anyone else around you. So fill in the blank, whatever it is for you, the point is, as human beings, we'd like to be in control. We'd rather fail in our own effort than have someone else be responsible for our success. Because at least with a failure, it's ours. We can own it. Of course, that means when we succeed, we own it all the more. It's just harder to acknowledge when someone else is the reason we got the job or were accepted to the program or the school. And this is one of the reasons, I think, why the gospel of Christ can be so challenging to accept. It just seems too good to be true. You're telling me that God will forgive me for every wrong thing I've ever done and give me a life abundant with purpose and meaning and that my death on earth is temporary because Jesus is coming back so that I'll be re resurrected and live with him forever in a perfect, loving relationship. And all I have to do is believe in him and accept the work he's already done for me. Come on, what's the catch? You don't have to be a savvy New Yorker to question an offer like that. I mean, if you're like me when you're walking down the street and someone says, hey, do you like free comedy? you immediately ignore them, because you know nothing is really free. Well, from the beginning of Christianity, men and women have struggled with this idea that you don't have to earn anything to, to, you don't have to do anything to earn salvation. And others were all too willing to exploit this thinking. In fact, it was so prevalent in the early days of the church that many of the Apostle Paul's writings were devoted to correcting this false theology. In fact, today's scripture comes from a letter that he wrote to a, a group of Gentile converts in the city of Colossae who were being told that in order to be true Christians, they needed to follow an intimidating number of Jewish laws that were added to the original Ten Commandments. Paul's message to the Colossians was, in essence, Christ alone. Everything needed for salvation has been fulfilled in Christ. So when you accept him, you're free from using sacrifices and religious rituals and good behavior to earn the favor and pardon of God. In fact, Paul writes in Colossians 2, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Paul's making it clear we cannot earn our salvation. We can only accept it as a gift from Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, let's pray and go home. But hold on. In light of Paul's central message here, at first glance, today's passage in Colossians 3 seems a little bit contradictory. It says, put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust. Rid yourselves of anger and slander. Don't lie. Put on the new self. Take off the old self. Clothe yourselves with compassion and all these good things. Forgive one another. Put on love. Oh, by the way, don't forget, be thankful while you're doing all this. This passage seems tailor-made for a do-it-yourself generation, doesn't it? Actually, the truth is it might actually be easier to keep the objective dietary laws than it, it is to do these subjective um, commands that Paul is saying here. But I still want to know, how can Paul advocate 
we're doing away with all those religious rules in one chapter. And then in literally the next chapter, list a number of actions that you could type out and pin to your refrigerator as a do-it-yourself Christian checklist. Is the apostle simply exchanging one set of rules for another? I think the answer lies in looking at three things. The purpose of DIY, the problem of DIY, and the promise of DIY. First, the purpose. Now, do-it-yourself culture is inherently juxtaposed against professional culture. DIY says the professionals in this arena, whether it's home improvement, book publishing, fashion design, they're not addressing your needs sufficiently. And their so-called expertise is costing you far more than it should. There's a better way to accomplish your project, and here's how to do it. Therefore, the purpose of DIY is to displace a system of professionals by using amateurs and without diminishing the quality of the final project, and sometimes actually improving the quality. And doing so is supposed to save you time, money, inconvenience, lack of privacy, and so on. Now spiritually, the Jewish leaders and the religious system represent those professionals. The priests and Pharisees, they prescribe this long list of ceremonial and civil rules that they themselves would oversee. The people under this system would thus be declared righteous by the professionals, the priests and Pharisees, for keeping these laws. And like DIY versus the professionals, Paul's writings were just juxtapositioned against the religious system. Think of it like this. If the religious system was a family of professional carpenters and plumbers overcharging for their services, Paul was like the host of this old house. He was a threat to the family business. Look at what he says in Colossians 2, 13 and 14. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. He took it away and nailed it to the cross. And the author of Hebrews, which is also widely considered to be Paul, goes even further with this concept. He says, there have been many of those priests, the professionals, and death continue, um, prevented them from continuing in their office. But Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. He's able to save completely all those who come to him. Such a high priest truly meets our needs. And unlike the other high priests, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices day after day. We have to understand what Paul is preaching here is totally disruptive. It's disrupting the entire religious system. He's saying that the professionals, the earthly priests, are no longer necessary. Instead of the traditional way of going in person to the priest for physical circumcisions and pardons from sin with costly and bloody animal sacrifices, Paul is telling people, because of Jesus' perfect sacrifice, his life on earth, his death on a cross, his resurrection to life, his ascension to heaven, and his intercession at the right hand of God, you can, just through prayer, go to Jesus by yourself for all that the priest did and more. In other words, Paul is saying to the Colossians, Jesus as both sacrifice and high priest totally disrupts the professional temple system. Paul preaches, go directly to Jesus alone. He gives you all the advantages of DIY over the professional. Jesus gives you salvation from sins, past, present, and future. He gives you peace, peace with God, peace of God. 
and peace in God. And for many of these folks, the, the Gentile converts, Paul is saying, Jesus saves you time from going back and forth to the temple, money for paying for animal sacrifices, the inconvenience of the, all that trauma and blood in the sacrifices, especially the Gentiles who weren't used to this system, and lack of privacy, revealing personal sins to the priest, so much more. Jesus gives, Jesus saves, and all you have to do is go to him yourself. All right, so now we've established we can go to Jesus ourselves to receive salvation, bypassing that old religious and legalistic system of rituals. So let's return to our text of emphasis. Now remember, Paul is talking to Christians, people who already believe in Christ and have likely been baptized in their celebration of their new life in Christ. And yet, here's this list of things he's telling Colossians they must do. Things I would say are impossible for any human being to do consistently. As I've said before, the sacrificial system, for all its inconvenience, was at least more achievable, I think, than what Paul lays out in Colossians 3, 5 through 17. So this brings us to the problem of DIY. You never actually do anything yourself. Now, if you take the term do-it-yourself literally, it means you have absolutely no help whatsoever to accomplish your task. No advice, no tools, nothing beyond the mind and the body that God gave you. You want to tear down that wall and create a bigger kitchen? Well, I hope your fists and your feet are strong enough to do that. Need to fix that leaky faucet? Hope your um, grip is vice-like because you can't use a wrench. Oh, and that how-to clip on YouTube, unless you're the one who posted it, that doesn't pass the DIY test. So here's something you may not know. For the first decade of this old house, the Home Depot was the main sponsor of the show. And for what reason? Well, it makes sense, right? The Home Depot, they sponsored this old house because they knew anyone who wanted to make um, home improvements, they'd have to visit their local Home Depot in order to purchase materials and tools necessary to complete the task. You see, the irony of the DIY industry is that the more that you use a show, a book, an online video, a home improvement store, or a tool to do it yourself, the less you're actually relying on yourself to do it. You're really just replacing one system, the professionals, with the other, the DIY industry. In other words, you need help to do it yourself. There are spiritual parallels here, and I'm sure some of you are already ahead of me on this. For all the benefits of the new covenant through Christ versus the old covenant through the sanctuary system, no person can actually accomplish the work themselves. We still need Jesus to make us righteous in the eyes of God. Jesus is a better and perfect high priest, but the fact that we still need a priest at all is proof that we cannot do this ourselves. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 2 that God raised us up with Christ. And he says, by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. And jumping back to Colossians 3, we see this language echoed again. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, so set your hearts on things above. Paul's saying, you've been graduated. You've been lifted from this old covenant under the new covenant. And it's not by your own effort. You didn't earn this. You didn't do this by yourself. And then continue 
uh, continuing on in Ephesians 2, look at what he says next. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in us uh, in advance for us to do. So the essence of what Paul's saying here is this. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. So with that in mind, let's revisit Paul's DIY list from our text of emphasis and see how this mirrors Ephesians 2.10. So we have put to death all the things of the earthly nature, rid yourselves of, of anger and rage and malice, don't lie, take off your old self, put on your new self, clothe yourselves with compassion, forgive one another, put on love and be thankful. Could it be that the actions Paul is writing here are part of those good works for which Christ has saved us? I would suggest to you that the answer is yes. Once we accept what Christ has done for us, that which we could not do for ourselves, then out of gratitude for the free gift of salvation, we're to live our lives doing the good things he has prepared for us beforehand. Let's say you walk out of here today and you're deep in thought or conversation, paying no attention as you cross the street against the light and a car is barreling down the road, just about to hit you, when all of a sudden someone pushes you out of the way and they get hit. And say that person ends up in a coma, it's not looking good, but maybe months later they, they pull out of it. Would you have to be reminded to go and thank that person? Would you have to be instructed to treat that person well? Of course not, because they saved your life and they risked theirs to do it. And yet, Jesus has done so much more for us. He died for us so that we could have the opportunity of eternal life. He's completely forgiven our sins and given us unconditional love, joy, and peace. And through the Holy Spirit, he gives us wisdom and understanding, comfort and compassion. So therefore, if I'm not living in daily gratitude toward God, one possibility might be that I don't yet fully comprehend everything he's done for me. But I digress, because even if all of the above is true, it still brings us back to the problem of DIY. We can't do anything by ourselves. We certainly can't save ourselves, and we establish we can't do all those actions in Colossians 3, no matter how grateful we are to God. So this moves us forward to the third and final element of DIY, which is the promise of DIY. Now, if the purpose of DIY is to save us from the inconvenience and the cost of a professional by doing it ourselves, but the problem of DIY is that it's a misnomer, no one actually accomplishes a project by themselves, then what is the promise of DIY? It's this, that with the proper instruction and tools and effort, you will accomplish your project. The promise is directly related to the problem. In fact, the promise solves the problem. If I acknowledge the problem that I can't really do this myself, then I can act on the promise that by accepting the help, I will complete the project successfully. Has anyone ever tried to manually fix something major without consulting anyone or using anything? I imagine it didn't go well for you. I mean, even if it did that one time, such success is not sustainable. 
the more projects you try to do like that, eventually you're going to run into something that you just can't do on your own. Following Christ in the way that we live is a massive project, one that we've established over and over today we can't do by ourselves. But the good news here is analogous to the promise of DIY, that with the right guidance and power, you and I can live lives that are reflections of Christ. But naturally, the question then is, where does one get that guidance and power? Where do I go? And the answer is, it's available through the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus was preparing to leave his disciples and return to his Father in heaven, he told his disciples this, I told you these things while I'm with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. All things. Jesus made a promise to send the Holy Spirit, teaching us all things, including how to live like him. So with that, let's revisit Paul's list one more time with that promise in mind. With the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit, we can put to death all the things of our earthly nature. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can get rid of anger and rage and malice. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can tell the truth. We can become new in Christ. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be compassionate and kind and humble. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can forgive one another and put on love. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live our lives in gratitude. It's important to know the, note the contrast between this list and the list of actions in chapter 2, which Kyle covered so well last week. In Colossians 2, 16 and 17, Paul says this, Don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. The list in chapter two of Colossians is populated with external acts. These are things that any one of us can do whether or not God is at work within us. I can be vegan, I can attend church on Sabbath, I can abstain from alcohol, I can celebrate Christmas and Easter and communion, I can even volunteer to help each, um, other people, all without actually having a real relationship with Christ. I can fool you with behavior. I can even fool myself with behavior, but I can never fool God. The list in chapter three, however, that list stems from an internal transformation. Jesus teaching said, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and slander. These are what defile a person. So you see, unlike the list in chapter 2, the things Paul lists in chapter 3, whether they're the evil things like greed and anger and impurity, or whether they're godly things like humility and compassion, these things over time can't be faked. Every one of these items, positive or negative, they're internal postures. And they exist and take root in your heart and mind before they ever manifest themselves in your behavior. And believe me, they will manifest themselves in your behavior. The church in Colossae, though, they weren't the only church that Paul gave a list of things to do. When writing to the church in Philippi, he said this in Philippians chapter 2. 
He said, dear friends, you always followed my instructions, my list. And so work hard. Show the results of your salvation. Paul says work hard, which makes it seem kind of DIY-ish. Work hard to follow these instructions. It, it sounds like the rid yourselves command that we read in Colossians 3 today. But let's keep reading to what he says in verse 13. He said, work hard for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The key for both Philippians 2 and Colossians 3 is that the Holy Spirit, whom we let into our hearts and minds when we choose to accept Christ's work on our behalf, he teaches us how to live like Jesus and gives us the desire and the power to accomplish this great task. You may see that there's a paradox here, though, because we know we can't do it ourselves, and yet we still have a choice in whether we experience this transformation that's being offered to us. Francis Schaeffer, the author of True Spirituality, coined this phrase, active passivity. And he used the example of the Virgin Mary being visited by the angel with God's plan for her to give birth to and raise Jesus, the Messiah. And when the angel visited her and told her the plans, this was Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Mary had agency. She had a choice. And she used it to say, Lord, let these things happen. She acknowledged that the birth of Jesus was not going to happen by her might or her power, but by the Holy Spirit. And yet, God required her consent. He wasn't going to force her to comply. In essence, Paul, Mary did what Paul urges us to do in Romans chapter 12. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Don't conform, but be transformed. Be transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's active passivity. You know, that same active passivity actually shows up in our passage from today. Did you see it? It said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Now, maybe Paul should have led with this and not confuse us with all that DIY language. The power of the Holy Spirit is able to transform us as we accept his work. So what now? Well, if you've been trying to do it yourself, trying to live like Jesus, doing all the right things, and you're tired of failing over and over again in your own strength, I invite you to believe the promise of God that he has already done the work that you can't do. And that he's given you the power of the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out and let his love and peace flow in you and from you to all those around you. For those who want that, I invite you to say this with me. Father God, I cannot do it myself, so I surrender my life to you. Let the Holy Spirit dwell within me, giving me the desire and the power to live like Jesus from the inside out. Amen.